This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. I've just stolen it because it's so long ago people don't remember it when referring to Bill Belichick. And it's that Don Shula back in the day, they would say he can take his and beat yours or he can take yours and beat his meaning he was such a great coach. You just give him players, and he'll figure out a way to get the most out of those players. That's like Eric Spolstra. He'll be able to take whatever you got. He would be great on that TV show Chopped, where they throw like four ingredients at you, and you don't know what you're going to get. That's the kind of coach he is. He can take whatever ingredients you give him, and he'll be able to cook you up something delicious. Tibbs, he'll make you a mean sandwich, but that's, he's like me in the kitchen. There's like four or five things that I can do really well. You need mac and cheese? I'm your guy. You need a, you need a cheeseburger on the grill? Boom. Now, if you need something a little bit more complex than that, I'm not your person. If I went on Chopped, everything on Chopped, I'd try to make it into a pizza. Every single thing. I just need, I'll, make, I'll make it into a pizza. Everybody loves pizza. I'll just make it into a pizza. That's the kind of chef that I am. That's the kind of cook that that Tom Thibodeau is. He's got one way he can do it, and that was the Obi Toppin to Tom Thibodeau was like Rocky Mountain oysters. He, he didn't know what to do with it. He couldn't use it. He didn't know how to put it in here, do that thing there. It's like anchovies. There's certain ingredients it's very hard to mix in. And um, Obi Toppin and, and Tom Thibodeau, the, to just keep the, uh, the food narrative going, they were like uh, chocolate sauce and an onion. It didn't really, it didn't really make a a good match. It did not really make a good match. But we've talked a lot about the Knicks. I did want to talk a little Yankees. They're in a rain delay right now. Uh, and the Mets, they have a 3 nothing lead. Oh, my goodness. The Mets have a 3 nothing lead. I wonder how they're going to lose this one today. And they've just scored another run. Is that allowed? Tommy Fan. It's the Tommy Fam show. Over at City Field, Mets now lead the Giants for nothing, uh, and we'll keep an eye on there uh, on the on the Mets to uh, see just what kind of horrific way they're going to blow this game. How are they going to mess this one up? We will see. But uh, the Yankees uh, this week had a very big week with the Domingo Herman perfect game, and I thought it was interesting. And I find this interesting that when he throws the perfect game, one of the major reactions was, "Well, where does this rank in terms of perfect games?" Where, where He did it against the uh, Oakland A's. Does it matter that he did it against the Oakland A's? The Oakland A's are really bad. Does it diminish the perfect game because he did it against Oakland? Well, of course not. Because you could say even if it's the worst perfect game in the history of baseball, it's the only the 24th time that it's ever happened. So that would make it the, one of the, the, the greatest pitching performances. Now, if the Oakland A's had gotten no hit a bunch of times or somebody else had thrown a, no, a, a perfect game against them, I guess maybe then you could start to, to point to it, but it's a perfect game. It doesn't happen very often. It hadn't happened in, what, 12 years or something like that? But it's funny, and I, and I would also say, none of those, I don't know how many perfect games I've seen in my lifetime, none of those perfect games, including Domingo Herman's, is the most dominant pitching performance of our lifetimes, assuming you were alive to see it. That would be the Kerry Wood game. The Kerry Wood 20 strikeout, one hit, which it was a, it really probably should have been an error, was a, a routine uh, grounded a third base. That was the most dominating performance. 
And there's no question about whether or not it was a good lineup or a bad lineup. It was Biggio, it was Bagwell, Derek Bell was there at the time. They had a bunch of guys who were good hitters that year. I think they might have had, um, oh, they had somebody else. I'm trying to think who it was. They had like four or five really good hitters. But that was the most dominating performance. But just to get back to Herman, the A's don't diminish what Herman did. But I do think the fact that the, the this this narrative that the Yankee bats are coming around because they scored 21 runs in two days against the Oakland A's, that one I think it is fair to say that it diminishes it. Because the Yankees have struggled to score runs all season. They have a bad offensive team all season. And then for two days, Josh Donaldson hits some home runs, and Anthony Volpe has a bunch of hits, and IKF is scoring a bunch of runs. Now, I I hope that it means something for Stanton. I hope that it means something for Glaber. But I'm going to, unfortunately, need to see more evidence before I'm getting on the IKF train or the Volpe train or the Donaldson uh, train. Those guys, they have struggled all season, and I don't really expect, out of those three, I expect Volpe to probably turn it around more than the other two. Now, in terms of the the trade deadline, because of the trade deadline, excuse me, not that far away. Now, what, 31 days away? It's August 1st this year. A lot of people at the Beach Bash yesterday were asking me, you know, what do you think the Yankees are going to do? What do you think that they'll, will they get a third baseman? Will they get a left fielder? I think you have to, look at where you're at, where you're at, when you're at it. Uh, we'll have to see what this next month actually does for the Yankees. Where's Judge at? I would assume they're going to make the one piece, which would be the left field. Left field has been a black hole for a couple of years now. They've not really – they tried to do something with Ben Attendee last year. He gets hurt. I would figure they don't really have a- a- anything going there. That would probably be the place that I would, I would expect them to add. Maybe they add another reliever. Maybe they add another pitcher. I don't expect them to go and get a third baseman. Do I expect the Yankees to finally admit that they were wrong on Donaldson? No, I don't. They have proven, if they have proven anything over the last few years, it's that they are stubborn. And it's glaring that they need a third baseman. Uh, Josh Donaldson, despite the home runs that he's hit since he's come back, I don't think is all of a sudden going to refine anything close to a productive bat. And even more glaring than that is just how bad DJ LeMahieu has been. I mean, DJ LeMahieu has produced like IKF this year. And for some reason, he was batting leadoff today. I'm not exactly sure why. He has been that bad. 228 batting average, a 292 on base, slugging under 400. He's dealt with a lot of injuries the last couple of years, and he is a shell of his former self. I I almost kind of hope that they find that there's something wrong with him physically. For him to be producing or not producing like this, it is scary. It is, with the player that he was the first two years, for him now to turn around and be this unproductive, wow, that that is glaring. Again, 228, 292, 376 slugging. And for some reason, he was batting leadoff today. Again, not exactly sure why. All right, 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number, 1-800-919-3776. Let's go out to, uh, let's see here. Danny is on Long Island. Danny, what's going on, my man? Good afternoon, Gordon. Enjoying my late afternoon walk here. You know, as I'm on hold, I'm listening to Don's rant about this could be one of the most disappointing seasons in the history of New York Mets sports. Not, not Mets, New York, New York sports, period. And I'm thinking... 
Did we forget that the Nets were in mid-December, were in first place with three Hall of Famers on the roster? And by the yeah. end of the season, I mean, I mean, we, and then we got the Jets on deck. I mean, we're sitting at the cusp of, of, of a trifecta here if things don't go right in the, in the floor and park this. I mean, three, we could have three disasters on our hands of biblical proportions all in one season, which is really quite you know, unbelievable when you think about how bad franchises are in the New York area. But speaking of the Mets, though, Tommy Pham, Flam, 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 whatever his name is, he comes to bat every time. I used to tell my Little League kids 20 years ago, come to bat, swing the bat with aggression. It's the only time in your life you can swing a bat looking to do damage and not get put away in jail. And that's what he does. He's not looking for a walk. He's not looking for the perfect pitch. Sometimes Van, you know, chubby Wubsy Vandenberg, he, he gets up there with 3-1 count. <laughs> eh, he's looking for the perfect pitch. No, swing the bat. Swing it hard. Now, you said that the Yankees need a left fielder. Line In a month from now, and the Yankees are making a run, they're hanging around. He's a legitimate left fielder for the Yankees. Whether they make a trade with the Mets is a different story, but he's a perfect yeah. fit for what they need. Yeah, and you would think, and thanks, Danny, for the phone call, that he would not cost you uh, an arm and a leg. He's, I mean, he's having a very good season this year for the Mets, and um, I know you're saying that he's not looking for the perfect pitch. He's looking to do damage, but you know what? He, he does take a walk, and the Yankees could use some. It was not that long ago that the Yankees had guys up and down the lineup who controlled the strike zone and would, would earn a walk. I mean, Tommy Pham's on base is 352 this year. Outside of Judge, I don't know how many more Yankees have an on-base percentage that high. I don't think it's many. Now, again, you, you hit on the point. Would the Mets and Yankees make a trade like that? I, I don't know. And given the fact that the Mets being sellers, if they are going to be sellers, they don't have a whole lot to sell. The, the, the pieces that they want to sell, I don't know if they're going to really be able to get much back for them. You, you look at what would actually be appealing to other teams, it's kind of guys on the fringes like Pham who – I don't think he's going to get you a big prospect back. Or, or David Robertson, I don't think he's going to get you a big prospect back. Those would be the most likely pieces the Mets would be able uh, to sell off. Robbie is in Massachusetts. Robbie, next up on the Gordon Damer Show. Robbie, what's going on, man? Uh-oh. Do we lose Robbie? All right, put Robbie on hold. We'll try Robbie... Uh... Well, so much for putting him on. He'll call back. He's all right. He'll, he, he knows the phone number. He knows how this thing works. Richard is in Manhattan. Richard, what's going on, my friend? Gordon, you know who, who the original quote, he can take yours and beat his. I thought that was about your, Don Shula. That's the first no, one. No, the original was Bear Bryant. Bear oh, Bryant. was that right? See that? Yeah. Bear, These Bear things Bryant. get passed down over time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, when Colfax pitched his perfect game, one of the sports writers said, did he win? Right, because they the were Dodgers were a bad, bad right. hitting team, so they weren't even sure you can win on a perfect game. Uh, you know, Montgomery—it's almost a year he's been with the Cardinals. Twenty-seven starts, mm-hmm. ERA over twenty-seven starts, three point three, and he averages five and two-thirds inning a start. He's not much worse than Cole in those uh, in that one year. I mean, he's not as good as Cole, but not much of a difference. So, you know, you got to look back and really think if the trade was worth it for the Yankees. A great starting pitcher like that. Well, very good starting pitcher like that. Hard to come by. <laughs> I mean, Bader is good, but he's hurt a lot. He is hurt a lot. Fact, he's always been hurt a lot. Not just for the Yankees. you got to factor that in. you got to factor that mm-hmm. You're right about basketball in New York. Gordon, the most beloved team. Now, I was a little too young for the 55 
Dodgers and the 56 New York Giants. And I heard those two teams were really beloved, especially the Giants when they won their first one. And I know they were beloved in 61, 62, and 63. New York Giants were huge, huge. You know, don't forget the Yankees were always split with the Dodgers and Giants and then later on with the Mets. And a lot of people didn't like the Yankees, you know. So, But anyway... There's no question about it. In New York City, if the Knicks are ever going to be good, they would be be the most beloved team. The most beloved team I've seen in New York uh, for a few years, but especially one year, was the 69-70 Knicks team. Every night at the Garden, it was like a wedding. It was like the Academy Awards. It was unbelievable. Never was a player booed. Never was a coaching decision questioned. Nothing. Zero every game. Was, oh, it was unbelievable. And the Knicks were so beloved. I'd say from 68 to 73, they had a six-year love love, uh, love affair with the Knicks. Believe it or not, the only other team I can say that was close to the Knicks <laughs> were the Cosmos when they came along after, with Pele and a little after Pele. They were beloved. You never heard anything negative about the uh, Cosmos, even though there was infighting in the team and a lot of you know, calamity during that time. But the, the Cosmos were very beloved. But the New York, you're right about basketball. There is no question about it. When the Knicks, when the Knicks are good, this city goes, what? look how they were with Ewing. Well, they never, you know, they came close, but they never really, really got there. So uh, you're right about the Knicks. They would real the the city loves basketball. So uh, you're 100 percent right about that, Gordon. Always a pleasure. Thank all you. All right, Gordon. Richard. Thank you for the phone call. And, and, and look, you don't even have to go back to Ewing or or the the, the championship Nick teams. Damian Lillard. We haven't even mentioned this thing. Damian Lillard has requested a trade. He's finally, finally, after it's, it's like the, the, the couple that fights and argues all the time. And then finally somebody gets up the guts to, to, to ask for a divorce. Damian Lillard is finally going to likely get traded this off season. And now he's, I think he wants to go to the Miami heat. He doesn't have a no trade clause. I don't know that he can force where he's going to go, but one of the teams that seems to make sense, or at least is in the conversation for Damian Lillard is the Brooklyn Nets. And we spent two plus hours talking about Obi Toppin getting traded for two second round picks. The Knicks own the basketball market in this town. That's why it was so foolish when everybody was losing their minds. The Nets are going to take over. That will never happen. Like the other sports, when the Mets are really good and the Yankees aren't. Now, it hasn't happened in a very long time, but back in the 80s, this was much more of a Met town. When, when the Giants are winning Super Bowls and the Jets are down, but no matter what the, 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 the breakdown is, it's always pretty close to 50-50. With the Knicks and the Nets, it's, it's at, at worst for the Knicks, it's like 90-10. It's not even remotely close. They own the market, and they are the number one team by far because all the fans pretty much that watch that sport they like the Knicks. That's the way it is. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. Coming up, more of your phone calls. It is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. We've talked a lot about the Knicks today. We've talked a lot about Obi Toppin today. I mentioned uh, the Dame Lillard trade request it seems like that the, the Miami Heat, that's where he wants to go. But you'd have to think, he doesn't have a no-trade clause. 
they might have to get other teams involved to, to figure something out because I think the only contract that they have back that would be able to be moved uh, uh, that would make any sense is Tyler Hero. And I don't know if that's a, a, a piece that makes fit for uh, is a fit for for Portland. Um, and I don't know that they have that many draft picks or assets that would be able to land them. Now, that's the kind of piece that would make sense. It, it seemed like going into this offseason, when you get to the finals like the Heat did, the two targets were clearly going to be Bradley Beal or a Dame Lillard deal. Now that Beal is off the market, the, you would think that anything and everything to get them over the top to get Dame Lillard done, but the Nets would have to certainly be a part of that. If it's just about making the best deal, if it's just about Portland making the best deal possible, you would think that the Nets have way more assets. They have all those those Phoenix picks. They have, I think, picks from, from Philly that they could deal. They might have a pick from Dallas that they can deal. So they got a bunch of picks that they could be able to send back. They got some some uh, some contracts that they would be able to to match up. Also Philly, Philadelphia, the Sixers. They uh, would, I would think, have to be interested in, in adding a player like Damian Lillard after the disappointing season that they had uh, a year ago. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. 1-800-919-3776. Let's go. Uh, let's try. Uh, Kareem is in Philly. Kareem. Next up. Um, oh, yeah. Just a couple of points. Um, right. you think about the Yankees. Uh-oh. Oh. Every year. I would like to know how do they train the staff. Like, something's wrong with the training staff to me. Obliques. I mean, just... Well, they acquire um, they they acquire injury-prone players, and then they get hurt for the Yankees, too. So... You believe, yeah, you know, just like... um, the, the, Who we do? Did we just trade to the Twins? Uh, Gio Urshela? Yeah. Who's the... No, no, the uh, center fielder. Hicks. Oh, oh, no, oh, you got him from the Twins. I think he went in, he's now right. in Baltimore. Right, right, but, like, when he first came, he played well. It was a good pickup, mm-hmm. obliques, and this and that. But I'm going to yeah. go back to the Knicks, right? Okay. This James Harden is history. He's history. I don't know why everybody's living off the past with James Harden. If he was that good, Philly would keep him. They one step away. And then quickly is good enough. I mean, Obi Toppin, I thought we should have kept him. I think he would have broke through. And to me, like Julius Randolph, he's still emotionally immature. Like you see when he gets upset, he takes himself out the game. He's still like 25, 26. I think he's going to break through in the playoffs soon enough. He just ain't been comfortable. First, he couldn't even play for L.A. Then we got him. It was like he couldn't play for us. And then it became what? He had that breakout year. Like he's just uh, – he's still growing into himself, I believe. Well, he's 28 years old. I don't know how much uh, how much I mean, uh, growth is I mean, still there. All right, Kareem, we're going to let you go. Your phone is uh, starting to break through there. Um, well, I, I think that Harden actually did the Sixers a favor by opting into that contract, and now they can they can trade him and get something back rather than him just walking out the door. So that, I think, was actually a positive for uh, the Sixers. It's not like the nicest thing he could have done for them. <laughs> rather than them, them giving him a long-term contract extension, which whatever team ends up doing that, if a team ends up doing that because he's going to play this year on the, on the one-year deal, uh, that team will almost certainly have been better off setting that money on fire than than giving him like a max contract for whatever it would be. Uh, Lou is in New Jersey. Lou, what's going on, man? Yes, hi Gordon. Uh, great show. Thank you. A quick point. First of all, I, I, you can win with Tibbs. Tibbs might not be yeah. that out of that, but he 
good coach. He's a solid coach. And, you know, when it comes to Obi, he's a nice kid, but he wasn't playing defense. He really didn't rebound the way he could. He wasn't a banger. Anytime he would shoot the three, he was in love with it, you would cringe. Um, you know, it wasn't – it's like, it was just, a his, just a history of that same type of bad pick, unfortunately. They had Halliburton. He was picked with yep. the eighth, right? They had Halliburton on the board at that point. And they didn't pick Halliburton. And now look at the kind of money he's commanding. So, I mean, I, I think they had to move him. They made a mistake. I wish they would have got a little bit more, but I guess the market was such that they couldn't get more for him. That's the deal. Yeah, I mean, look, yeah. and Lou, thanks for the phone call and the kind words. I would be hard-pressed to believe that Leon Rose and his staff weren't trying to get something better than two second-round picks. I, I, I find it hard to believe. They just called the Pacers and the Pacers, hey, we'll give you two seconds, done, deal, done. They would have uh, – then you have a legitimate complaint. I think that that's what Obi Toppin probably is worth. They were trying – it wasn't like they just tr- started moving him today. They were trying to move him before the draft. They were trying to get a first-round pick. Even then, they couldn't do it. So two second-round picks – to them, it's about whatever that next move is going to be. If it's DiVincenzo, if it's a bigger move than that, I don't know. But I think that that's the way you're going to have to uh, judge it. But in terms of the pick at the time, you can now say that that was a wasted pick. Taking somebody with the eighth pick in the draft that you turn around and get two second-round picks for a couple of years down the road, and you can't even say that the player was a bust because he didn't get enough run to be able to say that. In the times that he started, he was averaging like 20 points a game. Now, does he have flaws in his game? Yeah. Defense is one. His post game is one. The three-point shot is, is getting better, but it's still a work in progress. But that just goes back to how it's a waste to pick. It wasn't like you thought you were getting one thing and you got the other. No, this is the player you thought you were drafting. That's why it didn't make sense at the time. That's why it didn't make sense at the time. Steven is in Manhattan. Steven, next up on the Gordon Damer Show. Here I am. Uh, hey, Steven, what's yes, going on? I think been- I think the Knicks should try to get a better center than Mitch Robinson, who's always getting into foul trouble. He's a great dunker. He's a fair rebounder. No, only Randall averages double-figure rebounds. The Knicks should try to get Carl Anthony Towns. Oh, God, no. No, no, thank you. Uh, that, I mean, th- here's the thing, Stephen, and thanks for the phone call. Um, I don't make trades for anybody that has the moniker of worst contracts in the sport. So if you're on like a list no. of, of worst contracts in the sport, I am not interested in, in getting that kind of player. And Carl Anthony Towns, his contract is one of the worst contracts in the sport. And is he really that much better than Julius Randle? Really? I yes, don't Gordon. So. Don't you know he changed the game? Yeah, well, I know he th- – yeah, uh, that's another thing. Like, uh, do I really want to bring a guy from Minnesota in here when he thinks that he sometimes uh, changed the game and that what they did in Minnesota was more impressive than what the Denver Nuggets did in winning a championship? I, I don't know that that necessarily lines up. I don't know that that lines up. Robbie is in Massachusetts. Let's give it another go with Robbie. What's going on, Robbie? Hey, sorry about that, Gordon. That's all right. Uh, that thanks, happens. Thanks for, yeah, thanks for taking the call. Uh, well, a couple of things about the A. First of all, you know, I don't understand. Cabrera's hitting like below 200, like 190 something. I know he got a hit today. Why? Why is Peraza up? It doesn't make sense. And Bader doesn't start today in the first game. Bader should be played both games. And then Rizzo, Rizzo's sitting and playing DH at the first game. It's like he's a first baseman for crying out loud. You take a Gold Glove guy, it's first base for God's sake. I mean, Boone is just ridiculous. But I mean, we could be worse. We could be the Mets for crying out loud. And I have to tell you something about the Mets, honestly. 
I mean, I have never seen a team go from being a really good team to being a horrible team. The way they lose their bullpen, it's amazing. You can spend all this money, Gord, and, and still come up short. And, and the way it's just incredible how how they spent all this money and, and then they go out last year and and the buck wins manager the year, but then he does something as stupid as you know not walk the brer with first base open. Just I don't know what's happened to Buck, but again, ask you about this Obi Topin thing too. Okay, why would you draft this guy eight and then let him go for two? Two, two second round of picks. I mean, first of all, Obi Tobin should be developing a game that's inside. The idea that this guy's shooting threes is ridiculous. He should never shoot a three-point shot. It's stupid. Why do you have a seven-foot guy, almost what is he, six-foot-11, shooting shooting a, a seven-foot uh, but, 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 Robbie, that's the game now. Yeah. I mean, everybody, yeah. if you don't shoot the three, you don't play. Okay. Right, so here, let me ask you this. A couple of weeks ago, I was talking to Don, right? And he and Peter decided to call me an Amish buggy. Because I decide, because I'm like an old school guy. I'm 58. I'm like, you know, we're close, we're close to each other days. Uh, I work, so, but the reason, what bothers me is that we have settled because of analytics for mediocrity, whether it's basketball or whether it's baseball. How do you like? How do you like the league average this year at 248? Isn't that great? Doesn't aren't analytics great? Whatever happened to guys that go length as, as starting pitchers? Oh, let's let's give five innings and put a bunch of relief pitchers in the stink. I mean, I can't believe between Bill James. Tony Lusa, you know, and Billy Bean and all these knuckleheads, these analytic guys, have taken this game and poured it down at our throats to such mediocrity. I mean, I'm sorry. When I see guys like Stanton hitting 198 and that OPS only matters, bring me back to the days when I was a kid growing when guys hit 340, 350, when Brett was flirting with 400 when I was a kid. That was great baseball. They've taken this game and analyzed it so much to the point where it's a simple game. It's, it's, a, it's a spontaneous game. It's an unpredictable game. The unpredictability of baseball is no longer there. There's Aaron Boone filling out a lineup card in December going, oh, let's see, okay, let's put DJ LeMaine here out. And then, I mean, it's like, why can't anything be spontaneous anymore, man? Why can't the game of basketball be played with intelligence? But I have to hear the coach of the Celtics go, oh, yeah, it's fine. We take 65 uh, three-pointers, right? I mean, isn't the idea of the game to get the ball close to the basket? I, I, I mean, hear I you, like, Robbie. I hear you, and thanks for the phone call. Um, but all those people you're, you're naming, they're all super successful, and, and, and that's what happens. When people are successful, people want to chase that success, and – and I get it. The analytics is a, is a real bugaboo here in New York because the Yankees have not been able to get over the hump and not been able to win a World Series. Look at the most successful teams in the sport. They're all analytically driven teams. The Rays. How are, I'm telling you right now, there's nobody in uh, Tampa this year, or there shouldn't be at least, that is calling up to criticize analytics because that's the way they're able to compete with the, the obvious – payroll disparity that they are operating under so I, I hear what you're saying all analytics is is trying to find what the true value is of things and and what's truly important so yes we we've moved away from batting average we've moved away from from wins as a starting pitcher and if you are using analytics and you're not being successful well, then you're not really finding what the true value of things are and that has happened a lot with the Yankees where they think they have an idea of what is going on, and it's not what's actually happening uh, for their team. But uh, in terms of analytics, OB shooting threes, if you don't shoot threes in the NBA now, you're not going to play. You, ha you have to be able to adapt on the fly. And there's plenty of problems I have with analytics, the problems I have with the Yankees at times. Uh, and, and maybe things have gone too far in one direction, but it's like the analogy I bring up a lot of times with, like, algebra. I was terrible at algebra. I was terrible at trigonometry. 
The problem wasn't with the algebra and the trigonometry. The problem was me. So if, you, if you're using analytics and you're not having success with it, it might not necessarily be the analytics. It's that you are not using the right analytics or you're not reading what the, the numbers are truly saying to you. And that might be the issue that you're having. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. 1-800-919-3776. Coming up, more of your phone calls. Plus, I have not even touched on the Mets week. And boy, what a week it was. So we'll do that next. It's the Gordon Damer Show. It's 98.7 FM, ESPN, New York. This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. Let's take a look at the Rocket Mortgage Classic, shall we? Uh, Right now, it is uh, Adam Hadwin. Oh, yes, Adam Hadwin from Canada with the one-shot lead over Peter Kust. I'm going to go with Kust. Uh, And Taylor Pendrith. All the big names are uh, taking part in the uh, Rocket Mortgage Classic, including uh, Ric Flair's favorite wrestler, Dylan Woo. Colin Morikawa's there. He's at 15 under. Ricky Fowler's at 15 under. And that uh, is the uh, leaderboard update, which is brought to you by Glenfiddich Single Malt Scotch Whiskey, the most awarded single malt scotch whiskey. Skillfully crafted, enjoy responsibly. I'm going to need one immediately. Glenfiddich Single Malt Scotch Whiskey, ABV, 40% alcohol by volume. 2023 imported by William Grant & Sons, New York, New York. Now, we're talking about, uh, in the break, about the Beach Bash. And I think Harvey was the one who brought it up that he was driving down there yesterday and paying the tolls that there are toll lanes for exact change. I said, yeah, that's crazy that people don't have easy pass. And Harvey says, I don't have easy pass. I said, what? And then Chantel right behind him. Oh, I don't have that either. What? Every time. I am crossing a bridge or paying a toll. I look at the people that are sitting not on the easy, sitting in the exact change line. And I'm saying to myself, who are these people? And as it turns out, I work with two of these people. What possible justification? And I said, well, Harvey asked me, do you have easy pass? I said, of course. And he says, oh, you're one of those people? Those people? Well, I didn't say those people. You said you're one of those people. I, I said specifically, you're a proponent of this. Yes, a proponent. <laughs> yes, of not waiting online when I don't need to wait online. Why would I put it in my car? I never think about it a second time. Why would you not have this? I'm just sick and tired of everything taking my money, man. I'm so sick of it. They're taking the, your money anyway. You're just sitting in line to pay it. Look, and I, I think I don't know this for sure. I, I think that this was the case. Maybe it's not anymore. You used to get a discount for Easy Pass. What's a discount anymore, though? You still feel the discount. I can go. I can get. I can go you, to McDonald's right now. Whatever the discount is, you are wasting more in gas waiting online to pay the toll than I am zipping through at quote unquote fifteen miles an hour. Quote unquote, yeah. Well, that's what I think what the speed limit is, so, and I would never break the, the, the law. Oh, sure. So I go through at 50. This is unbelievable. What is your justification? Look, I can be swayed into getting easy pass. I don't need you, you know, yelling at me. But why wouldn't you have, why do you need me to yell at you? I don't need you Why would you not me? already have this? I don't like this tone that you're taking. But what I'm because saying. Because it's, it, it's unbelievable. It would be like you saying, I don't walk around, I don't have a cell phone. 
I don't have email. I think a cell phone is more necessary than EasyPass. No, it's not. What do you mean? No. EasyPass is even easier because you just put it in your a, a cell phone. You are paying to use the service. The EasyPass, you just have a device that helps you pay for the service. You're not paying for the EasyPass. The EasyPass is free. We just like living life on the edge with no easy. Are pass. you people? Are, are you people on the run from the cops, and you don't want people tracking your movements? If we were, Maybe. it makes me very suspicious Maybe. of both of you. If we were from the, running from the cops, we definitely have easy pass, and makes us not wait in no, line. No, we wouldn't have an easy pass <laughs> if we were running from the police. 